All right, good morning, everybody. I'm going to do something uh, that I wish my college professors would have done. Uh, I'm going to give you the point of my sermon right now, and so you can spend the next 15 minutes, you know, talking to a friend if you want. No, uh, it, but this is the point uh, that I want to communicate. It is this. The Holy Spirit knows the mind of God and intercedes for us according to God's will. I'll repeat that. The Holy Spirit knows the mind of God and intercedes for us according to God's will. And the practical truth in the world, uh, why does that line even matter? Well, it matters because we as Christians can actually live with hope in the midst of suffering. Because of that fact that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, we can actually live with hope uh, in 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 the midst of suffering. And so this summer, we are spending a few months uh, going through the book of Romans, and uh, it's a sermon series titled Victory. Uh, So far, we've seen the big picture of God. We have seen, uh, we've dug into scripture, and of course, we've seen how Christ has saved us uh, from the wrath, uh, from uh, our sins, from the wrath of God and from our our sins, Uh, and we have seen God the Father actually stepping in and claiming us as children of his. But today, we look at Romans 8, and we see how the Holy Spirit actually works in our life. Uh, how the Holy Spirit actually works in our life. But first, I want to rewind to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, and the psalmist in this, uh, he he contemplates this work of the Holy Spirit and how massive it is, how big it is, how all-encompassing it is. And, and, And he says this, specifically, verse number seven in Psalm 139. He says this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go from your spirit? Where could I actually flee from your presence? Like he's contemplating this. He's saying, I wonder if I can go into a deep cave and get away from you. I wonder where can I go that your spirit is not present? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. And then skipping down to verse 12, uh, it's something like, even in the darkness, even in the darkness, you, uh, it, it's not dark to you. Uh, the night will shine like day, for dark is as light to you. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. You see, ladies and gentlemen, the point that the psalmist is making here is this. You cannot do anything in this world. You cannot run anywhere on this planet and escape God's presence. And let me tell you, that is a really good thing. You cannot go anywhere and escape God's presence. In fact, this point it, it, it starts to overwhelm the writer of this psalm. It starts to overwhelm the psalmist. And so he could see the work of the Spirit even back then. And if we're honest, we can see the work of the Spirit today. But let's think about how the Holy Spirit kind of comes onto the scene. And we go back to Genesis. And it says, uh, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the water, the Holy Spirit hovering, almost a passive verb. The Holy Spirit hovers 
over the face of the waters. And high, it says also in Genesis, high in the heavens, the Holy Spirit hovers. And when the Holy Spirit hovers, time and creation begin to take shape just by its hovering, just by his hovering. And so the disciples, let's go forward a little bit, the history of the Holy Spirit. Let's go forward to when the disciples are praying in Jerusalem. The disciples are praying in Jerusalem and all of a sudden, bam, it's not a subtle hover, but the Holy Spirit comes in uh, in, in, in a flash of flames and wind and, and, and he fills the mouth with speech and he starts to fill hearts with wonder and he creates a passion in God's people. This incredible desire to go out and share the love of Christ, to serve one another and and to tell people about Jesus. And 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 then let's look at this actual letter today. Today we're going to be in Romans 8. And as we get into Romans 8, um I want to take you one other place before we get to our scripture reading today. It's not as glamorous as heaven. It's not as cool as the oceans. It's a little place on Washington Avenue in Lake Mary, Florida. It's my backyard. And in my backyard, for I grew up in a family of people who were ridiculous barbecuers. Like, and I say that because growing up in Iowa, sometimes it would be, you know, like minus five degrees and my grandpa would be barbecuing and, and, and he would be out there doing it. So I, I've inherited this gene to want to, barbecue meat. And so I tried, you know, a few years ago, we tried to bury a pig in the back of the church and wrap it in banana leaves. That didn't work. Um, And then uh, I've been trying for like years to like perfect this smoking technique. And then finally, one of my buddies said, you know, you're doing it wrong. Let me get, for Christmas, he gets me this smoker. And this smoker is like a four-level smoker, and it's got a big place underneath for for wood, and it's just, it's fantastic. And and I noticed in in this, this thing where um, right away, I, I was talking to people before I even fired it up the first time, and they said, Chris, when you start with this smoker, like start with something simple, like a pork butt or like ribs or chicken, like do something easy. And I said, well, what's the hardest thing you could possibly do? And they said, oh, brisket, don't do brisket. So I went out and I got a couple of briskets, you know, first thing to do. And I noticed something that uh, when I put the brisket in this glorious box that has a window that magically inside this box, sometimes time gets frozen. And I, I, I'll explain. Like, I put the brisket in, I put the wood in, I wake up at 4.30 in the morning. I try not to wake up my wife, but I slide it in there. And then I put the little temperature gauges in the brisket. And it seems very simple. I start, I've got 225, I'm following the, and all of a sudden it goes to 100, 110, 120, the internal temperature. And you've got to cook it right till 204 degrees. 205 degrees is ruined. 
ruined, but 204 is perfect. So I cook it, and I'm like thinking, this is the easiest thing in the whole world. I'm looking through the glass, everything's fine, and it gets to 140, 150, and I call up Jen's dad, and I say, come over, you're gonna have the best brisket in the whole world tonight. And it gets to 150, 160, 170, 180, 180, 180, 180, 180. Everybody starts to show up. 180, 180. And now this meat through this glass is taunting me. And Jen's dad, who notoriously busts my chops, says, when's that going to be ready? I'm like, in a few minutes, Gary. I don't know. But anyway, this machine, like, somehow has stopped and frozen time. And, and, and I was thinking about that as we talk about this, as we talk about uh, this verse today. I want you to open up to Romans. And it's, uh, let's see here. Romans 8. Romans 8, 18. <laughs> And it's titled Future Glory. So check out this letter. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that is re- will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Verse 22, we know know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for something that they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans and words that, uh, that words cannot express. Final verse, 27. And he who searches our hearts know the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance to his, God's will. <clears throat> and so Paul begins by saying this in verse 18. This is a similar freezing of time. (laughs) Um, He asks us how that, he says to us, we are literally caught up in the work of God. We are literally caught up in God's greater vision, in God's greater plan. And sometimes when we're in the midst of such work, it can feel like nothing is actually happening. It can feel like God isn't listening. It can feel like it's just the same thing over and over and over. You see, Paul begins by saying in verse 8, 18, the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is revealed to us. So 
Paul does this amazing thing here. He's, he's saying there's suffering and there's glory and it's held together in this moment. Our present world, without a shadow of a doubt, is filled with suffering. There are times that we walk through some rough trials as human beings. But God had originally formed a beautiful creation. And if you look back at the time in Genesis, I'm sure you would see something that is absolutely beautiful with God's fingerprints and it was good. And then Adam and Eve, of course, disobey God and God's curse is brought into the world. And then God said, um, God, God came and subjected the beauty of creation to the bondage of decay. So such punishment, this punishment was set in stone for humanity. This punishment was set in stone and only God could actually free his creatures and bring about a new creation. That's the glory that Paul has seen in Jesus Christ. The beginning of this new creation, the beginning of eternal life. Jesus Christ, of course, is the new and never-ending life. And uh, so one thing I want to make perfectly clear is that the spirit of God is here. The spirit of God is with you always, even in the darkest places of death. Sometimes, however, we don't take the opportunity to listen to that spirit. We as a people are very distracted And many times we don't take the opportunity to hear that spirit that is actually crying out for us. And that is exactly what Paul is revealing in this letter of Romans. The spirit of God actually cries out for his people. The world is groaning as we wait for this new creation, as we wait for a time where there's no cancer, where there's no death, where there's no sin. And it will come and it will happen. And we are, um, we are locked into this world that is surrounded by sin. But the Apostle Paul reveals one more thing. He says, open your ears and open your ears. You will hear the Spirit actually interceding for you. Paul says this in 8, 26 through 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness For we, I love this line, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Let me break that down for you. There are times on this planet, there are times in this planet where we go through stuff and we don't know what to say. There are times that suffering, uh, the suffering we walk through is so deep that it leaves us for a loss of words. The suffering we've seen is so strong that there's no words in the English language that can even begin to describe it. About six years ago, here's an example about six years ago, the guy from the seminary came down, the district president came down, and he said, you know what, Chris, I think you should be a good, I, I think you'd be a good pastor. Why don't you go be a pastor? And I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. I'm having a good time with Daniel upstairs. 
we're good. Uh, somebody else can pastor. That sounds good. And honestly, I didn't tell them why I didn't really want to be a pastor back then. I didn't tell Pastor Hoyer why I didn't want to be a pastor back then. But I mean, I really uh, like working with kids. And I was thinking to myself in that moment, the only thing that was flipping through my head was what if you had to do uh, a funeral for an infant? Exactly. That's what I thought. I thought I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Not going to do it. And like the enemy was working on me and saying, you couldn't do that. You're not strong enough to do that. And so a year later, I took him up on the offer. And the very first week, the very first week, Matt, uh, Pastor Matt and Pastor Paul were gone. And the very first week of my uh, vicarship, there was a death in the church family of a a one-month-old baby. And I got the call. And hey, can you do the funeral? And I remember being out in that narthex, thinking about that moment, seeing the little white casket up here, everybody crushed from this devastating loss. And I remember having my notes and just saying, Lord, you have got to show up here today. You have got to work through me today or else this is gonna be a complete mess. And I got up here and I said stuff I can't even remember. And the family said, thank you for the hope that you've given us through Christ. And I said, thank you, Jesus, for coming up here today. Because that was my biggest fear. And the Lord's like, we're gonna walk you through this the first week. And it was because of the intercession of the Holy Spirit. It was because of the work of Christ that that family left with hope. And and, and that's what happens. There are some times where we are at a loss Four words. What do you say when you go to a children's, a child's funeral and you're standing next to the parent? What do you say when, when your wife tells you that the doctor says she, she thinks it's cancer or he thinks it's cancer? What do you, how do you respond to earthquake strikes in Haiti? How do you respond to a terror attack in downtown Orlando? You see, the broken edges of this fallen world cut deep and language itself is limited. Sometimes our human language is too short to actually reach down and touch the sorrow, much less grab a hold of it and put it into words. And if we're honest, we have trouble enough talking to one another at times and even more trouble talking to God. This is exactly why Paul wrote this in Romans. Paul asks us to listen. He asks us if we, if we ask, I should say, if we ask, the Holy Spirit will take our suffering. The Holy Spirit will take our pain and he will turn that into a beautiful prayer. Romans 8.27, Paul talks about the glorious vision of God seen by the Holy Spirit. Paul says that the Spirit intercedes for the saints. You're the saints. The Spirit intercedes for you according to the will of God. Here's the cool thing about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit not only knows the mystery of our suffering, the Holy Spirit combines that with the deep mysteries of God that we'll never understand. God's 
vision of a new creation. You see, you've been joined into the family through the waters of baptism and God is at work in you. God is shaping our lives. God is forming our faith. God is working in small and sometimes painful ways as he continues his promise to bring about his kingdom. And the frustrating thing for human beings is that we can't see this overall plan. We can't see the overall design and sometimes we can't even see the smallest carvings that this amazing artist, God, is doing. And we're not going to see that until Jesus returns. And so, we stand before God, frozen in time, living in this world, yet sure of another. Our faith is in him. When we experience suffering and find ourselves not sure on how to do it, on how to get through it, not sure about what words to speak, allow the Spirit to speak for you. He brings our petitions to the throne of the Father. So I want to go back to this uh, brisket story. Uh, I got, uh, <laughs> we had family and friends over, and it's like 7.30 and people are getting ready to leave, so I just pulled a brisket out of the smoker like before it's done, and it's been smoking for like 12 hours. And it, then I researched, it wasn't good. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was bad. Uh, and, and so I researched this phenomenon that stuck at like 180, and the experts call it, maybe some of you have heard of this, like a meat stall is what it's called. And it happens like between like 180 and 185, and apparently what happens is that's where the tendons and the fat start to caramelize and start to melt. And sometimes every piece of meat is different. Some take a little bit of time and some take a lot of time. And that's what actually gives you that moist, delicious, this, this sermon should be sponsored by Four Rivers or something. <laughs> that's what gives you that delicious flavor, you know? And so it wasn't good. Uh, and then um, we did it again a couple of weeks ago. Well, I did it again a couple of weeks ago. And this time I told my wife, we're not inviting anybody over. <laughs> we're going to cook that puppy until it's ready to go. Uh, and so I did it again, like woke up super early in the morning, put it in the smoker. And then I watched it. And about, you know, five o'clock at night, it's 180, 180, 180, 180, 180. And then this like miraculous thing happens about 15 hours into it where I'm ready to like rip it out and throw it in the oven. Like it goes and it's 190, 195, 200. By 10 o'clock, it's 204. And we pull it out and we wrap it in foil and we eat it. And it is glorious. It is so good. 16 hours and 45 minutes. That is ridiculous, but it is so good. God the Father will also bring all things to completion. He's the one who stands there, ruling over the whole world. And you know, the interesting thing about that whole story, not the brisket, the God story, uh, the interesting thing about that is that Paul like, can just barely see this truth 
but he knows that it's true and he knows that it's there. And so he offers us hope that no matter what you're going through right now, that the Holy Spirit is ready to intercede with your problems and, and deliver that to God, the God of mystery. Finally, Christianity it, it might be losing cultural power in America, but it's not losing spiritual force. God is alive. He rules over creation. He sees your life. He knows your suffering. And he has sent his spirit to be here for you. He listens to those times where you cry out, saying, I don't understand why this is happening, Lord. And he sent his spirit for you. He puts your life into a prayer according to God's will. So wherever you go in this world, know that you are never far from his spirit. Whether you be at home, at work, falling asleep during a long sermon, I mean, the Spirit is never far from you and the Spirit seeds, uh, sees and intercedes for you according to the will of God. And that, my friends, is really, really good news. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, thank you for this message from Romans, this reminder, Lord, that you didn't just put us on this big blue marble and hope that we would figure it out. But that, Lord, when we actually reach out to you, when we ask your spirit to intercede for us, that amazing things can happen. And that, Lord, you hear our prayers because we are your children, fearfully and wonderfully made. You loved us so much that you sent your son, Jesus. And, Lord, you equipped us with that spirit. Help us to have the kind of faith that will rely on that spirit. Help us to be the kind of people that are formed by you. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.